Luis Robert with two down and no momentum drills a baseball out of Kauffman Stadium's range and depth. It is five to three. You're listening to BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. Welcome back. BetQL Daily right here on the BetQL Network. Joe O, Joe G, Aaron Hawksworth with you on a Tuesday. Joining us now on the Roman guest line, Sean Zerillo of the Action Network talks to baseball. Luis Robert with the go-ahead run last night. White Sox get out of Kansas City with a victory. Let's talk some MLB here, Sean. Um, and I'm just sp- speaking totally anecdotally on this, just observationally. It feels like the ball is flying a little bit more, more offense the last week or so. What, what have you noticed? Because last time we talked in April, I mean, offense was significantly down. The baseball is always a discussion. The humidor is a discussion. It was affecting over-unders, totals. Um, what have you noticed? What, what are the numbers saying? It feels to me like offense is up the last you know, 10, 14 days or so. Yeah, I think as temperatures are increasing around the country, we're certainly seeing totals go up and more overs hit. So just an example of how the totals have sort of shifted throughout the year. The first 10 days of the season, they were basing it off of Old numbers, average total on the board was 8.8. By the final week of April, it had dropped the full run down to 7.8. The first 10 days of May, we were sitting around 7.3, 7.4 in terms of your average total. Now we're back up to around 8.4 today with course Field. Eliminate course Field, you're still at around 8.2. So we've seen that number sort of middle out between April and May where the totals are settling. But unders hit around 60% in, May, in April. Overs are now hitting around 54% in May. So definitely more run scoring. If you're blindly betting overs this month, you have turned a profit. But after the totals have come back up since that early part of the month, I think we're certainly getting to a point where books are settling in and seeing where the total should be. We've clearly seen that adjustment on the totals. It seems like a proper adjustments there. Now that we're 35 games in, getting closer and closer to Memorial Day, usually a, a marker that some people set. We think we have an idea what teams are. Uh, 35 games in, are you starting to see adjustments in general? We'll get, we'll get to what you like on the Futures Board awards and all that stuff, but are we starting to see adjustments, uh, maybe finding some value on teams and awards? So I think teams who started out really poorly, like the Red Sox, you are still seeing reflected in the market how much support they have. The Red Sox line has moved about 20 cents overnight the past few nights against Houston, uh, so I think that bad start isn't necessarily of how good the Red Sox are as a team. They're still going to play closer to 500 probably the rest of the way. And it seemed like the Yankees, who are playing at 121 pace, they're not going to play that way forever, right? Uh, obviously, they won yesterday against the Orioles, but that line had dropped from plus 190 overnight, closer to plus 160 by game time for Baltimore. So you are seeing the lines move against these teams who are either or move with teams who are either over or underperforming. And I, I do think that everybody eventually regresses to the mean. I know compared to past years, we do have more of the haves and have nots, more more good teams and more bad teams as well. Certainly the the distribution of talent is definitely much wider than it has been in the past, less parity overall. But certainly teams are eventually going to regress towards what you would project them in the preseason. Because of that, you can definitely find value going against these teams who have performed well earlier, backing the teams who have underachieved at this point. Sean, I'm looking at some of your work for the Action Network. Are there any futures that you have um, that still have value? You know, I, futures market, like Joe, 
not something that I'm really diving in until we get to the quarter pole and we are coming up there towards the end of this week. I'm pretty happy with a bunch of the futures positions I have, but two of the teams who have not necessarily underachieved, but haven't played up fully to expectations so far. One would be the Phillies. I gave them out in the preseason. I think they're still sitting as high as 40 to one in some places. If they end up adding to that bullpen, the Phillies are going to make a run at some point. I don't know if the Braves are underperforming as well, or maybe Ronald Acuna not being fully healthy as he's come back has definitely contributed to their poor start. But what I've seen from the Phillies, I mean, the, the Zach Wheeler's rounded back into form, had some concerns earlier in the year. Aaron Nola just gets absolutely no support, or their bullpen blows up every time he pitches. But Ranger Suarez is pitching a bit better, better lately. And I do think the Phillies are in a position where if they make a wild card, getting that guaranteed three-game series, I still like them quite a bit. And what I've seen from the Brewers as well, Eric Lauer has completely broken out. They have four legitimate top-end starting pitchers in Milwaukee plus a great bullpen. So if those teams are able to add a little bit to their bullpen and their offense respectively, I definitely uh, definitely would consider them still solid futures plays. And even the Blue Jays numbers floated up a little bit. Those were all three of my preseason futures. Haven't really lost confidence in any of those three teams. If I had to make a prediction right now for ALCS and NLCS, I'd probably say Blue Jays, Astros, and Mets, Dodgers. Every year I look for the teams who end up coming back late in games on people consistently. And those are the four teams that I've seen never give up late in games. Maybe the Yankees are blowing people out a little bit too much, so I haven't seen them face adversity and have to come back. But those are the teams that I've seen consistently come back on people, whether they win games late or not. They're always in games till the very end. Sean, I'm glad you brought up the Yankees because they're, I mean, we opened off the top with their win last night in Baltimore, 26-9. and nine. Uh, They have a seven, plus 73 run differential. It's interesting with them. I mean, they're always good, right? They haven't had a losing season in, you know, we're talking about 30 years now. But th- it's been a few years now since anyone talked about them as legitimate World Series contenders. And the odds are always kind of inflated. And and we kind of, you know, we didn't talk about it much for the season. It was like, ah, oh, they didn't do much in the offseason. They opted for defense. How good are they? I mean, it's we're to the point of the season now where I mean it's starting to get real now. Twenty six and nine through thirty five games. How good is this Yankees team? I think their starting pitching has been the biggest surprise. How deep that rotation is. Garrett Cole seems to be a little bit underrated now. Start to start, people just want to blindly bet against him. And I actually found value betting into his first five line the past few starts. He's not much worse than he was in the past few years. Uh, I mean, definitely about a quarter of a run worse on his ERA, but. Really, there's not a substantial decline there. Jordan Montgomery, I think, is hitting his stride. We always see these lefties sort of hit their peak in their late 20s. I don't know if anybody has a sports science reason for why the lefties develop a little bit later in their careers, but he's definitely somebody who I think is peaking. Nestor Cortez, a guy I bet on consistently last year, absolutely love him. And then Severino and Tyon are outpitching their previous metrics. So Luis Gill, too, tons of stuff there. Didn't love what I saw from his command in his last start, but they, they definitely have a ton of starting pitching depth, especially compared to previous years. Aroldis Chapman looking a little shaky in the bullpen. I actually don't love their bullpen top to bottom, but who's going to add more pieces at the deadline probably than the Yankees or Dodgers? Those teams have way more resources than anybody else. I don't know if the Yankees are willing to spend. Considering their hot start, though, I think there would be an absolute riot if they didn't. Don't love the bottom of their lineup, but beyond that, the Yankees are definitely better than I rated them in the preseason. I had them closer to a 91 team. I think Bakota was the only one who had them around 97, uh, and I think that's definitely where they're trending is Towards the top of the division, I don't know if they're going to end up giving it up, but maybe now is the time. If you're more interested in the Rays or the Blue Jays, you can probably find value in their divisional odds, depending on which projections you use. That Rays sitting around plus 600. That's about where they were around this time last year, and we saw what they ended up doing to win the division. So 
Maybe the Rays at plus 600, plus 650, even out there at DraftKings, they might be the value play at this point in the East. Sean, which team do you find yourself betting on the most? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, maybe the Marlins, um, just because their their pitching is so strong, and we haven't even seen Max Meyer come up yet. It's not even that you know I'm I'm betting on a team as much as I'm betting against specific teams. I was on against the Mariners a lot early in the year. I've actually had to bet on them the past few days as they've played the Mets and the Blue Jays. But the Mariners were my biggest win season total under season win total under, uh, and I, I pretty much bet against them every day in April. It ended up working out in my favor. The Reds, unfortunately, I bet on a lot too and lost all of the money back <laughs> that way. But uh, I ended up stopping that at some point just out of principle because clearly the market was missing something. They seemed like they had quit from the jump, but. Yeah, it, it's uh, you know I've really bet on a ton of first five favorites this year. And that's actually worked out as well. Favorites have kind of been crushing. Um, in April, especially, first five favorites hit 60, 67% of the time. It's down to 55% in May. So it's sort of neutralized. Full game favorites do 63% in April and 57% in May. So we, we've seen the favorites sort of come back to earth. We've seen the totals come back to earth. But I've been betting many more first five favorites this year. Just the discrepancy between these starting pitching matchups is much wider than it is between the bullpen. Speaking of the pitching, are, are there a handful of pitchers when you look at a card and you look to fade them, and who might those pitchers be? So I look a lot at velocity. Uh, Robbie Ray, Julio Rios, those are two guys who stood out as velocity being down at the start of the year. Both have come back up a little bit, but if you can track those velocity trends throughout the year, some pitchers dip in the middle of the season. You know, After getting off to a good start, maybe there's some wear and tear on the arm there. Um, you know, it's, it's not really a, a, I'm looking to fade this guy every time out, right? Like I ended up having to bet against or bet on Robbie Ray, I should say, when he came to the, to play the Mets at City Field this week. And that actually worked out ultimately, even though he blew the first five money line, but it really is a case by case basis. And I set my projections every day. And sometimes the line just gets a little bit too wide, even on a pitcher who I would normally like to fade. There is one guy today though, Bo Brisky. On the Tigers, I couldn't have made this line wide enough for the Rays. I don't even know if I actually bet the Rays, but it's so hard for me to get Brisky even above like 30, 35% for any game when he's starting for the Tigers. Uh, definitely one of the lesser pitchers out there. But a guy like Dylan Cease, I mean, I show a substantial edge on the White Sox first five projection today mm-hmm. going in that game one against Jonathan Heasley. I think Cease should be around 75% in that first half. He's a guy I have high young futures on. This line should be closer to minus 250, in my opinion. You can still get around minus 200. So really just have to look into those early season metrics, figure out how much you want to factor them in after six or seven starts. I think we're getting to a point where those metrics not are stabilizing for the full season, but are very indicative of who these pitchers are now compared to what they were last year. So I think we're at a point where if you use expected indicators, you can actually find some value looking at early season data. I'm curious uh, for a division future, where you sit right now on the Angels. They have been a surprise. I know it's every year people are like, maybe this is the year they find some pitching. They found some. Detmers, Syndergaard had a tough night last night, but um, has been pretty good for them. They're healthy right now with Trout, Otani, that offense, and some guys that have come out of nowhere. They're still 2-1 to one in the AL West, and obviously part of this is the Astros had an incredible streak over the last couple of weeks. Um, how, how good do you think this Angels team is? Do, do you think they have a real chance to dethrone the Astros in the West? I do. I mean, they were they were my preseason future in the West start of the year. I also have the 
Twins in the Central. So those were my two upset picks in the divisions. Fangraphs does not like the Angels right now. They only have them at 20% to win the West, and Pakoda only has them at 36%. So I don't know if there's any value necessarily at 2-1. to one. Maybe the, the Pakoda projection would indicate that there is very slight value there. Personally, I did have a lower projection on the Astros coming into the year, and I was pretty neutral on the Angels' win total. I just saw the ultimate upside if everything panned out. It seems like everything has kind of panned out. Don't what I love. Don't love what I saw from Syndergaard yesterday. But I mean, it's two to one. Maybe if you look at that Pakoda projection, you can you can perceive value on the Angels. I just think relative to their preseason number, around five to one, I wouldn't bet into it at this point. If anything, the maybe the team offering value that I think they're sitting neck and neck right now. So Odorizzi going down yesterday doesn't necessarily affect the Astros to a significant degree. But who's going to add more at the deadline? That's that's ultimately what it comes back to for me. We haven't seen Houston as willing to spend in recent years, and the Angels, Artie Marino, always willing to open up the checkbook. So maybe the Angels are willing to add more at the deadline, get another starting pitcher in there, maybe shore up that bullpen as well. Sean, before the season, you went hard on Seiya Suzuki on the show. You said this guy should be even money when he was 5-1, to one, and he's even money. I th- he went to even money after a week or two of the season. Uh, so typically, obviously, everyone posts MVP, Cy Young. Now we're starting to see more books repost NL, rookie, NL and AL Rookie of the Year, uh, home run leader on a more regular basis, in-season win totals. Um, for any of those awards or uh, team stuff that we have not addressed that you like right now? You know, Say is actually concerning me a little bit because in May he had yeah. not home. three walks, 13 strikeouts, and a big part of the reason why I loved him was the playtism. And early on he was walking as much as he struck out. That has completely fallen off the table. Coming up very soon for the Marlins, I think we're going to see a lot of these rookies come up soon. O'Neill Cruz has always been the biggest threat, probably to say as rookie of the year thrown. Uh, and we haven't seen him yet. And those odds have floated up. So any of these rookies who are still sitting in the minors, whose odds have sort of climbed just because they're not up yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, Max Meyer, I believe got up to a hundred, hundred to one out, out at the Westgate. Uh, he's still sitting closer to 60 to one, 40 to one, depending on where you look. But I think he might be a, worth a solid investment. O'Neill Cruz was about nine to one in the preseason. Now he's 25 to one at DraftKings. So I would look relative to preseason odds to see where the favorites who haven't played yet in the majors have sort of fallen off. I don't think we're going to see Nolan Gorman anytime soon, unfortunately, despite how he's performing in the minor leagues. But rookie of the year, I think that's definitely where you can get the most volatility in terms of players' odds floating up just because they haven't played yet. Wins above replacement, I mention this all the time. Wins above replacement leader tends to win the rookie of the year award much more frequently than not. So that is that is what you need at the end of the year is you need the playing time because like George Kirby, who have come up recently, Adley Rutschman, who's going to come up soon in the AL. Those are where I target in terms of the rookie of the year markets. Player awards or regular player awards, it's a bit more difficult. I think those races are still so wide open. I kind of spread around the American League, and I don't have Italian crowd, so I'm sure one of them is going to end up with the end. We appreciate Sean Zarillo there from the Action Network of the Roman Guest Line. Free online evaluation on care for EDL from the comfort of privacy of your home get roman.com slash betql go there now off the board next on the betql network these joes are helping you bet like a pro it's joe